The reading this morning is from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, and can be found on page 1032 in the Pew Bibles and on the screen. Jesus calls his first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and talked to the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. It's really great to be back here in Blackheath and um, great for, to hear those prayers that Tony just um, prayed as well and all the ongoing support for, for mission. Um, I, I really vividly remember so many of those mission partners um, praying for them, helping to kind of partner with them and it's great that they're still receiving those um, bits of support. Um, I was shocked in the first service to hear that Neil and Joya Boyle are having a grandchild. That did make me feel old. Um, uh, but um, that's great news. Um, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the Bible, for your word, and for your presence with us today. We pray for your Holy Spirit to speak to us wherever we are in our faith, in our circumstances. Come to us today and encourage our hearts and deepen our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, it's great to see so many kind of faces in the church that I don't recognise, as well as the ones that I do recognise. Um, and um, I'm definitely going to take Eddie up on his invitation to come and snoop around the vicarage. Was it next Sunday? <laughs> next weekend. See what changes you've made to the vicarage. But uh, no, it's really, really good to be back. And um, you know, hope, look forward to talking to some of you after the service today. Um, we're going to talk a bit about mission, and um, I wanted to kind of just share, first of all, my context, what, what I'm doing and where, where I am, and maybe we've got a slide up about that. So I'm, I'm working as, as an archdeacon. You might not know what that is, but it's, it's supporting the churches um, in London to, to grow and to thrive in their work. And I'm based in Hackney. Um, we live in Dalston Junction. I don't know if anyone knows it there. Um, in fact, it's got a really strong Turkish community, and it was really great to pray for Turkey and Syria today. Um, 
my barbers yesterday when I was there, he's, he's from Turkey, um, and he said to me, can, can we pray? Um, I, I'm not sure which part he's in, but he's, he's from, but his, some of his family um, were caught up and, and injured in the earthquake. Um, it's a really diverse bit of London, East London, and um, in terms of stats, it's, if you were to make it a city, um, it's the third largest city in the country. Um, it's, there's kind of nearly 900,000 population, actually. And so it's a real mission opportunity to try and um, revive, renew, strengthen churches. And um, our vision in London is to um, help every Londoner encounter the love of Christ for themselves. And that's our work and our task. Um, and part of that involves churches, getting churches to work together um, to think about fresh ways of being church in our city. And when I was at a meeting the other week about this, um, this, this scripture that we've chosen today, Luke chapter 5, um, was shared because it, it's got this wonderful story of um, the fishermen going out onto the lake, um, catching a, a haul of fish. And um, it's too much for for one boat, and they needed partners to come alongside to help them bring in um, the fish. And I think that's really what your mission committee is all about. There, there's, a, there's a great mission in our world. Um, so many um, need to know and experience the love of Christ. And even, um, even though we might be a long way away from where some of our mission partners are, we can share with them in prayer, in giving, um, in supporting them to bring in um, that harvest. Luke is, is obviously one of the evangelists. He wrote one of the gospel stories in the Bible. And you might want to turn to Luke chapter 5 that we had read to us. It's on page 1032 in the Bibles. And um, right at the beginning of Luke chapter 1, he um, describes for us why he has written his version of Jesus' life. He says, many people have undertaken to draw an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord. And with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an account for you, O most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke has heard about Jesus, and, and, and yet he knows there's these accounts of Jesus' life, but he decides to write his own version. And I think that's a real lesson, the first lesson perhaps for us about mission, that we have to articulate the story of Jesus Christ ourselves based on our own encounter with Christ. We have to communicate the gospel in our own context and to the people around us. And Luke's task was to help um, nurture and grow the church in the Gentile, non-Jewish world. And he felt um, that he had a particular calling to express the gospel for them. And he writes um, his account in Luke and Acts, um, not just as a, as a story, but as a, a narrative which is to inspire faith and draw people in to the mission of Jesus. It's not just a novel to read, but it's something that we all can be part of and sharing together. So we're going to think about this story at the very start of Jesus' mission, and there's four simple points, I think they're on the next slide, um, 
that are about um, mission, that we are called to embrace our context, to notice the opportunities that God gives us, to build relationships and proclaim the word of God. Jesus is presented as one who is fully um, connected with his community um, there in Galilee. He is empowered to reach out to everyday people around him. He's not remote or aloof. He's down on the lakeside with the fishermen, um, seeking to share grace and the good news and a message of hope. But it's a challenging situation for him. Um, If we read um, chapter 4 of Luke's Gospel, you see that he's been sent out into the wilderness. He's, He's emerging from a time of lockdown and isolation, just like we are from the COVID-19 pandemic. And he's taken out of the wilderness and sent to his home community. And he preached his very first sermon, um, and it doesn't go too well. Um, Some people like it, but many others come round him and take him to the edge of a a hill and try to push him off the cliff because they're angered by his message. Then he has to go um, to his friend's um, house and, and his mother in, whose mother-in-law is really sick and he's, he's surrounded by people with long-term chronic health conditions and he's been called to heal them, to reach out to them. It's a really difficult context for Jesus to begin his mission um, and yet he um, is full of grace, full of energy and full of hope that God is bringing his kingdom even into that difficult, challenging context. And that was something that just struck me today because our context in London is a challenging one to preach the good news, to share our Christian faith. Um, It's not um, an easy time to be doing this. And I was really struck last year, at the end of the year, listening to the BBC Wreath Lectures. I don't know if anyone listened to them. Um, But two of the topics were about um, freedom of speech being under threat and freedom to worship being under threat in our society. Um, And if we cover the next quote up, um, this was from the first Wreath Lecture. I don't know if anyone heard it. Um, It's by the author um, Chimamandi Ngozi Adichie. She said... We now live in broad, settled ideological tribes. We no longer need to have real discussions because our positions are already assumed based on our tribal affiliation. Our tribes demand from us a devotion to orthodoxy and they abide not reason but faith. Many young people are growing up in this cauldron, afraid to ask questions for fear of asking the wrong questions. And so they practice an exquisite kind of self censorship. Even if they believe something to be true or important, they do not say so because they should not say so. And it's not just our young people that feel that. Maybe you and I sometimes feel that. We can't say what we believe, that we don't have the freedom to express our faith. That's a challenging world in which we find ourselves here in East London. And the former Archbishop of Canterbury gave the second lecture, um, and you may not always agree with what he says, but I think this statement is a really helpful one. He said, will the public 
um, find, will the public square find a space for a person holding religious beliefs beyond lukewarm tolerance? Modern societies have settled for a recognition that within reasonable limits of public order, people may conduct whatever rituals they please because none of this should impinge on the way they make significant decisions or order their civic or personal lives. This gives the unmistakable impression that religious practice is essentially a sort of leisure activity, probably harmless, but definitely marginal to the main business of society. We are in a world where people think religion is, oh yeah, that's fine for you in your private life. It's like a kind of hobby, a kind of private members club, but don't let it impact on wider society, on wider community. It's a challenging context, but we should take heart and encouragement from Jesus' example, from the example of the early church who took the gospel, the good news, and planted those seeds in the world, and we are to do the same. The next point is about Jesus noticing the opportunity. So there he is on the, on the lakeside, um, and he notices um, a boat that's not being used. He's, he's trying to reach a whole range of people. It's a big crowd on the seashore. And he says, we're going to take that boat. I'm going to sit in there and preach. And the word, message is going to get amplified over the lake um, to the crowds on the shore. This is the best way to um, share my message with these people. And that's such a simple part of mission noticing what's around us and taking those opportunities to reach the people um, kind of on the doorstep. And I was reflecting of how this church, um, shortly after I arrived, shortly before I arrived as, as vicar, had, had used some money from a bank account um, to buy a house in part of this parish um, where there wasn't much connection, much involvement from the church. Um, it's down on Coombe Avenue and uh, Lou and Victoria have been living there kind of, I think, was it about 15 years um, trying to be a witness to Christ in, here in Blackheath. And, and the church um, not only did a, a kind of financial investment in buying that house, but they took it as a mission opportunity. There was a gap, there was an opportunity, they filled it. Um, last week up in Hackney, I was sitting down with a, a group of older um, ladies in one of our churches having a cup of tea, and they started talking about a friend of theirs who's called Brenda Webb. Um, as some of you probably know Brenda. She's a long-term member of this church. And they were telling me um, of how Brenda um, noticed uh, uh, an advert in the church times for, for help for God's mission in Hackney. At the time, her and husband Philip, I think, were living in Billericay in Essex, and they, they moved to Hackney um, to a council, near a council estate and one of the toughest estates in East London, and they committed um, their time and energies to that community. And there's a church there that was um, partially kind of designed and built by Philip, Brenda's husband. He was the surveyor for the church, and, and I was amazed to be sitting in that church having this conversation about Brenda and... Um, her faithfulness in that she noticed that opportunity. She went to Hackney and served. Um, and then she came to Blackheath and served the church here. 
But I think that's the story of this church, actually, that, that you are a church where people notice opportunities. I was just seeing Andrew there, noticing, remembering how you noticed the opportunity in the, in the pub um, to take the carols, to, to have Christian conversation um, in a context where there was an opportunity for, for a witness to Christ. Um, thinking of um, Footprints, Holiday Club, um, the different mission activities of this church, taking the opportunities around us, even though we're in a tough and challenging context of faith, we can share Christ with others. The next part of the story, really, is, is, which I think is really interesting, is how Jesus builds a relationship with the disciples. Um, he's obviously met some of these guys, the fishermen, before, um, but he now wants to kind of stretch them and deepen their faith and experience. Um, and there they are. They've come back. They've been on a night shift. They've caught no fish. Um, they're exhausted, tired, grumpy, hungry, um, probably not in the best frame of mind. But Jesus says to them, go back out. Take the boats out. Don't give up. There's fish to be, cat, to be caught. There's a, there's a harvest to bring in. And with a, with a kind of moment of jeopardy, um, Jesus' challenge to them is to take a little step of faith in a practical sense, but it leads to a real spiritual harvest. Um, Simon, the, the fisherman, um, is reduced to probably to tears on his knees, realizing who Jesus is, that Jesus is um, worth following. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is um, the hope that he needs in his life. And through that stretch of their relationship, the church begins to be birthed and God's kingdom comes in Galilee. And I wonder for, for each of us today, who are the people around us that we could try and deepen a relationship with, take a, a challenge to 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 stretch someone's um, faith and trust and create that opening for faith to be birthed and for God to work in their lives. And the final point is about God's word. Because um, I think what really excites Luke is that the word of God has been revealed in the life of Jesus Christ. And the word of God is still being revealed uh, through Christ and through his people. And that's why he writes the Acts of the Apostles. In fact, if you, if you read the book of Acts, there's, there's key moments throughout the Gentile mission in Jerusalem, in Ephesus, in all the major cities of that ancient world, where the word of God, it says, is, is spread and grows and people come to faith. And I really like this quote, and I'm going to kind of almost come to an end with this one. Um, it's by a guy called Francois Bovon from Harvard, who said, God is not only present in his word, but also integrates the hearers in the process of communication. When the word resounds, it not only offers us a verbal hope for life, but it affects even now that new life in us, because each one experiences in it the grace of God's vindication, the weight of responsibility and the freedom from the deadly effect of guilt and limitation. 
God's word is powerful and effective. It's not just a message, but it's a life-transforming power to renew us, to convict us, to set us free and on a new path in our lives. He goes on and says, the word of God in Luke is then the locus in which God manifests himself outwardly as the living and gracious God. So as we think of mission, we need to um, embrace our context, notice the opportunities, build relationships and proclaim God's word. To speak about Jesus to our friends in our workplace, um, to witness to God's grace and bring a word of hope and life to others. Amen.